Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Welcome to the Ugly Radio on the Podmoth Network, a lo-fi sci-fi audio theater anthology series made for late nights and strong drinks. Join us monthly as we broadcast a pirate signal across time and space, featuring stories, songs, and frequencies from a rotating list of voice actors, writers, storytellers, and musicians. If you're looking for high-quality science fiction, skin-crawling horror, and other genre fiction, Listen to The Ugly Radio on the Podmoth Network, now available wherever you get your podcasts. The Ugly Radio. See you in the void. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to another episode in a brand new season of the Identity Podcast on the Podmoth Media Network, your foray into the weird, wonky, and sometimes downright spooky. If you open up the old Google and you search for quotes or proverbs about the past and how it influences the present, you're likely to find a few that may say that the past and the present don't really interact. The past is the past. And the present is a gift. You'd probably read a few that focus solely on the past and how we should learn from it. But what so many people don't realize is that the past exists around us on a permanent basis. Yes, we can learn from the past and grow as people, learn new things from old practices. But even as we're doing that, we can live in a house that was tediously maintained by someone long gone We can gaze into a mirror owned by someone else that we found at a thrift store or a flea market. And we can drive in a car that is new to us, but was someone's daily driver for 10 years. So I guess what I want you to realize, dear listener, is that the energy of the past is all around us. It not only lies in historic places or locations that are known to have had tragic happenings, disastrous death, and murders most foul. The past is in your thrifted clothes, your kitchen, your car. It exists in a way that's indestructible. Now, you likely won't have a historian banging down your door for your 90s lumberjack shirt or your 2011 Toyota Corolla, but even when those items are gone, you might feel a pang of loss for them and the memories they held, the past they temporarily preserved. 
Keep this in mind as we travel to the past, some near and some far, on this episode filled with listener-submitted stories. Because sometimes the past reaches out and grips us in a way that's powerful, beautiful, and somewhat frightening. Trudy, Nova Scotia. In 1996, my grandmother passed away from a brain aneurysm. Her passing was sudden and unexpected, and it shook everyone in my family when it happened, except me. My parents didn't tell me right away that my grandma had died. I was in high school, taking my final exams and already planning for college life. They probably didn't want to throw a wrench in all of that, so they kept the news to themselves. I didn't even go to her funeral. When I did find out, it was in kind of an unexpected way. A few weeks after her death, I was in the kitchen baking cookies. My high school was having a safe grad, and I was going to make little gift bags for my friends with cookies, lip smackers, and a few other goodies. I was happily baking away when I heard the front door open. I glanced around the corner, and I saw my grandma standing in the entryway with her rolling suitcase. Grandma lived in Connecticut, so she'd sometimes come and stay a couple of days in our guest bedroom. I couldn't see her face. It was a bright, sunny day, and she was backlit by the sun coming in the window and the screen door, but I knew it was her. I quickly finished putting the last tray of cookies in the oven and went to the door to help my grandma with her suitcase. When I, ran around, when I went around the corner to the entryway, there was nobody there. My father was in a reclining chair watching some sports game and looked up when I came in. I asked if Grandma had already gone to her room and if she'd needed help with her suitcase. My father told me that my grandma had passed away. I think maybe my grandma made one last trip to say goodbye before she left for good. Roger, Wisconsin. I work in Milwaukee and I commute to and from my home. I take the same way there and back every day, as I had done for almost 10 years, before I saw anything out of the ordinary. Part of my commute takes me down Bray Road in Elkhorn. You might have heard of Bray Road as the roadway where people see all sorts of strange things. It's kind of a trek to get to work and back, but I listen to podcasts and the radio while I pass the time enjoying the scenery. On my way home from work one evening, shortly after I turned onto Bray Road, I think I saw a werewolf. It was large and covered in fur, and it was taking long strides through the trees on its hind legs. I could make out a long snout, and it walked in a sort of a hunched position. I stopped my truck almost immediately because the thought of spotting something like that was really cool to me. Everyone says that there's a beast living in the area, and I've always been into cryptids. I had to stop and see it for myself. I pulled over trying to keep my focus on the figure in the tree so I wouldn't lose it, but by the time I got out of my truck and made it to the tree line, I could only just barely make out an outline. Whatever it was, it was tall, and it had some bulk. It was at least seven feet tall, and I occasionally caught glimpses of red. Many have said that the creature has glowing red eyes. It got deeper into the woods and it disappeared from view. My father passed away last year, and he had an experience on Bray Road as well, but he managed to see the creature as it crossed the road and went into the trees on the other side. His description was the same as mine. He said that the creature passed close to his truck 
and he could feel the truck shift as if something pushed against it. When the creature got into the trees, my father said it let out a howl that would curl your hair. From that point on, he never drove down Bray Road again. The stories my father told me about his experience made me want to experience it for myself, and for ten years I took that way to and from my home every chance I got, in hopes that I'd see it. I finally got my wish. The truck that I drive was my father's, and along the passenger side there's a long scratch, a memento of his close encounter. Jade, Arizona Thrifting is one of my favorite things. I barely buy anything new because I can find almost all I need in one thrift store or another. In September of last year, I found myself in my favorite thrift store, pouring through rack after rack of glass items. I carry my own black light so I can check for uranium glass, the kind that glows green. About halfway down the last aisle, all the way down at the bottom on the last shelf, was a small white trinket box. I picked it up and shone my light on it. It lit up like a Christmas tree. I quickly put it in my cart and made my way to the checkout. When I got home, I gave the lid and the base a good scrub, as they were both very grimy. It seemed like it had lived a long time in a house with a chain smoker. The little box cleaned up really well, and I set it on a table in my living room. I collect a lot of old furniture, and am no stranger to odd happenings after I bring something new in. When I brought my love seat into my house, another thrift store find, I kept hearing knocking noises and would see indentations like someone had been sitting in it. Anyway, neither here nor there. Back to the box. I think it was only a few hours later, and I started to hear voices like somebody was talking in the living room. I would go and poke my head into the room, but it would be empty, and nothing looked out of place. I don't live in a great area, and there's always the question that someone broke in. The talking noises, they sounded like back-and-forth conversation between two people with deeper voices, increased from my hearing them every few days, to every day, to three or four times a day. It got to a point where I had to install a camera in there to see what was going on, because the phenomena happened before I was awake or after I'd gone to sleep, so I'd have to leave the warmth of my bed and hurry down to the living room. Eventually, I did find a medium who could do a clearing, and the activity all but stopped after that. We opened all the windows and went room to room while the sensitive repeated that the spirits should move on and that they were free to do so. It's been a little while since I've heard the voices, but I still have the trinket sitting in my living room. There are times when I pass by and I think I can see it shimmering, but I think that's just in my head. Frederica, Ohio In 2010, my husband surprised me with a week-long camping trip to an 80-acre site near Dayton. We both enjoy camping. It's one of our favorite things to do together, so we were excited to go. The day before the trip, we packed everything into the car and stopped at the store to pick up a few essentials, including canned food and new batteries for our flashlight and lanterns. We arrived at the campsite around midday the following day and unpacked, setting up the tent and our small camping stove. We packed a small fire pit also and gathered some kindling, filling it so that we could sit and roast marshmallows after dinner. 
The sun set and we settled into our folding camping chairs with a couple of beers to watch the stars and enjoy the quiet. We'd started our fire and gotten set up to roast marshmallows when we started hearing noises in the woods behind us. It was almost as if someone was whistling, and it was way too late for birds or much else to be making those noises. My husband stood up and looked into the dark, but he couldn't see anything. I said it must be someone at the campsite nearby making those noises, but he said that there were no campers that close to us. He specifically asked for a site where we'd be a fair distance away from other people. The tree line was about 75 feet behind where we'd set up our tent, and for the next 10 or 15 minutes we heard the strange whistling. It didn't sound like a song, just random whistling sounds. Then, as suddenly as it started, it stopped. My husband basically blew it off as someone walking from one campsite to another and said that we should probably just go to bed. It was late and it was starting to get a little cold, so we put out the fire and went into our tent. We settled into our sleeping bags and we fell asleep pretty quickly. Two hours later, I woke up suddenly to whistling sounds right outside of our tent. I nudged my husband who was also waking up and we lay there for a few minutes, not really sure what to do. We were in a tent, after all. If that person wanted to harm us, it wouldn't be difficult. My husband turned on the lantern beside him, put on his jacket, and grabbed the flashlight filled with fresh batteries. Slowly, he unzipped the tent, and he eased himself outside. I waited for him to come back in silence. I was pretty scared. It seemed like forever, but when he came back into the tent, he looked like he'd seen a ghost. He told me when he'd gone outside that he'd seen someone walking away from the tent, but before he could say anything to them, they'd disappeared into thin air. I laughed a little and kind of thought maybe he was messing with me, but his face said otherwise. He said he didn't know where the person had gone, and the whistling sound was gone too. No sooner did he explain this to me, but the lantern in the tent and the flashlight he was holding turned off. It happened simultaneously. Then we heard a wailing sound. It didn't sound male or female, but it sounded pretty close. My husband and I grabbed up our clothes and sleeping bags and ran out of the tent, going to our car and locking ourselves inside. We stayed there the whole night, barely speaking. In the morning, we packed up the rest of our stuff and went home. To this day, that sound still haunts me. The following submission was sent in anonymously. Trigger warning, suicide. When I was a kid, it was well known that our house was haunted. Well, it was well known to me for sure. My parents and two siblings never believed me when I'd tell them about what was happening. Even now, over 18 years later, they still roll their eyes when I try to talk about it. That's why I'm submitting this anonymously. I'm tired of the sideways looks I get from them whenever I talk about this stuff. And I want to tell my story to people who I know will understand. The year I turned 11... I started to feel unsafe in my house. I'd hear weird scratching noises at night, and my brother, who I shared a room with, would never hear it. He'd tell me to stop being such a wimp, and then he'd roll over and go back to sleep. We lived in that house for about a year and a half, and I didn't know where the fear came from. It just came on one day while I was sitting in the basement watching television. Have you ever had that feeling that you're not alone? or that there's someone watching you. Physically, I was alone, 
my siblings and parents were elsewhere in the house, and I could clearly feel eyes on me. This feeling stayed with me, and progressively my experiences in the house got worse. It wasn't just scratching noises and weird feelings anymore. I started to see things. Over the next two years, the sounds got louder. The feeling of being watched was now accompanied by a cold feeling coming over me or the feeling that someone was sitting beside me on the couch. At night, I had a feeling of heaviness on my chest, like someone was pressing down on me. There was clearly something making itself known, and clearly it had its sights set on me. And whenever I'd reach out to my family, I'd get shut down. Honestly, I've never felt so alone in my life. One night, as I was trying to get to sleep, I heard the scratching noise again. This time, I could almost pinpoint where the sound was coming from. The sound was just beyond the bedroom door. I got out of bed and walked quietly to the door, setting my hand on the handle. I debated not opening it. I thought about just running and jumping back in bed and pulling the covers over my head, but I couldn't. This had been going on for so long, and I'd had to live in fear for so long, I just couldn't do it anymore. I opened the door. What I saw on the other side appeared to be someone hanging from the ceiling. There was a rope around the figure's neck, and it was swaying back and forth. As it swayed, its fingers would brush against the doorframe. At that point, I passed out. When I woke up, I was in my bed, and my family was standing all around me. They were asking if I was okay, and they looked genuinely concerned. They told me I'd been screaming uncontrollably, and when they checked on me, I was out cold on the floor. I told them what I'd seen, but of course I was dismissed. Last year, my brother, the one that I shared a room with during that time, came clean and told me that he had also heard the weird scratching noises. He was scared too and just didn't want to say anything or feed into it because of how our parents were. He also had information about what I'd seen. My brother told me that when we were looking at the house, he'd overheard the realtor telling my parents that someone had taken their life in the house. One of the previous owners had hung himself in the hallway by our childhood bedroom. In a way, I felt relieved that what I saw was real and at the same time, I was horrified. I'll never forget that night as long as I live. That's it for this week, dear listeners. Tune in next time for more tales of the creepy, weird, and paranormal. Until then, stay spooky. The Identity Podcast is brought to you by host Janine Mercer. The podcast is written and edited by Janine Mercer, unless otherwise stated, and the music is created using GarageBand. You can find The Odd Pod on Twitter and Instagram at IdentityPod, and a transcript of this episode can be found at theidentitypodcast.wordpress.com. Don't forget to share this podcast with your friends, leave a review, and subscribe so that you'll be in the know when a new episode drops.